welcome one and welcome all to this, the latest episode of River Do's and River Don'ts. This is the podcast where we go through, in some might say too much detail, an episode of the television program Riverdale, where we discuss what we liked the most, our River Do's, what we liked the least, our River Don'ts, and the weekly weird, that Riverdalian je ne sais quoi that just absolutely makes no sense, but is fully captivating nonetheless, or maybe because of. I'm Rob. I'm, I'm Quinn. <laughs> like it just hung there. Classic. Just hung there. That's my name. Deal with that for a minute. <laughs> uh, this time we will be discussing chapter 26, The Telltale Heart. This episode was directed by Julie Pleck and written by our old friend Michael Grassi, who has racked up quite a few writing credits by this point, actually. Yeah, uh, it's a familiar name. All right, so this one really picks up right off the heels of the previous episode because we've got a dead body in the Cooper house. Yay. Oh yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a thing. And in case you were worried that this title didn't have to do with the theme of the episode, fear not, it's really on the nose. <laughs> I think um, all of these episodes that we're reviewing today are very on the nose. There is a kind of one to one that goes on. So we start out in the Cooper house. Alice is explaining to Betty that this man who is now very dead on their floor tried to hurt her and Chick intervened. Pardon me, Rob. The details are quite vague. Please call him by his Christian name. Shady man. (laughs) Benedex Shepherdbatch. Oh, yes, that's right. (laughs) Benedex Shepherdbatch. Credited as shady man and called shady man like three times in this episode. It was very noticeable. go out of their way to give him a name. Shady man, distant relation of sugar man, I guess. They go out of their way not to give him a name. Correct. Right. An appellation, I suppose. Alice wants Betty not to call the cops because she believes they'll take Chick away and tells Betty not to involve herself. So then we get a phone call from Hal, who wants to pick up some stuff from the house. Alice says, don't give anything away. Hal's basically already on his way, and so Betty more or less has to help clean up the murder scene. We then go and take a look at Archie, who is insisting that there was no connection. Before, before that... Before we get that, we get a good line. We get, and in one reckless moment, the lives of the Cooper women were forever changed. Oh, that's right. Thank you, Jughead. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Uh, There were a lot of good quotes this episode, so Jughead was responsible for a number of them. He he was pretty on point. (laughs) Yeah. This is also something we'll talk about through this batch of episodes. It seems like we might be swinging back the other direction on, like, which of our lead boys is a dumb piece of shit for a while you never know it's a roller coaster uh (laughs) yeah yeah archie insists to agent adams that there was no connection between hiram lodge and the gangland style execution of papa putin and i just i need to point out that agent adams somehow apparently knows the make and model of the gun Like, he specifically says, like, Glock 34 or whatever it is, which is, come on. That was my note, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, Riverdale. 
Ah, by this hole in this dude's head, I know what company manufactured the gun. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe knowing the caliber if he asked the cops and magically the cops in Riverdale were infinitely more competent than they ever have been before and already know that. But, like, the specific gun, I was like, who wrote this fucking line, Michael Grassi? Yeah, that was, or Agent Adams, since for all we know, who is this guy? He he may or may not be aligned with the FBI. He could believe that all guns are Glock 37s. <laughs> I've already concluded that the gun used in the murder was a Glock 37 due to the Glock 37's propensity to fit so neatly into the water tanks of local toilets. Anyway, Adams gets real shitty with Archie and kicks over his bass drum, which, like by a the way, child. like <laughs> right next door, the Cooper women hear it. And, like, it's kind of cute that we're connecting our two stories like this, but it was so dumb. And I love- Give me what I want, child. I will kick your drum. Yeah. And I love how Archie's like, I swear to God, if you wake up my dad. (laughs) That's a real thing that happens. Like, this guy's yelling about murders, and he's like, I swear to God, if you wake up my dad. (laughs) It brought me a lot of joy. Oh, jeez. <sighs> I felt really bad about the drum set, too. Yeah, I, I mean, too. don't do that. Don't do that to a drum. I mean... Everything about this scene is very funny. This is coming to a head. Like, something's gotta give with this terrible plot line. It's it's not, like, an infuriating one. It's just extravagantly stupid. Doesn't he also... In it, he introduces the concept of a capo? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He helpfully defines it. Hiram wouldn't have done that himself. He would have used one of his capos. That is, someone that a mafioso uses to go and do all of his dirty work. Does that make sense to you, Archie? I'm almost disappointed that they didn't go to Archie thinking like, isn't it pronounced capo? And like, it's for guitars? But they didn't do that because the show doesn't always know that Archie is a musician. I was also disappointed that when asked if he could think of anyone who might fit the bill of a capo, he wasn't like, well, Andre is trained in the martial arts. The martial arts. Yeah, it was pretty extra. That scene was amazing. Uh, Just regular cop stuff. Yeah, you know, procedure. Nothing Nothing to worry about. Hal comes home, doesn't see anything incriminating, but... Boy, does it look like there was something incriminating five seconds ago, which yeah. I thought was framed actually pretty nicely. He sure smells a lot of bleach in his house, though. A little worried about that. From that tomato soup accident. Indeed. Indeed. That gruesome, <laughs> macabre tomato soup abattoir that was just taking place. Jughead calls Betty and is clearly in a post-coital glow and a little weirded out by... Betty's mood of like I am distracted and uh, bye and that's good that's good teen trash right there yeah he's like oh I just called to say good night and I love you <laughs> and she's like okay bye <laughs> <laughs> yep it was good it was Betty and Alice straight up stash the body in a disused sewer pipe by my estimation, roughly two and a half feet into this giant sewer pipe. It was instead not instead of twenty-five feet deep. And 
I love how when they go there and they're dumping the body, Alice is wistfully like, oh, they shut this part of the sewer down years ago. This was my special place when I was a child. <laughs> this as the memories wash over her. And yes. I, it's let me just establish, a lot. Let me establish while we hide this ill-gotten human <laughs> corpse that local children are known to play in this exact spot. <laughs> like, okay. I feel like maybe they could have found a better place to hide the body, but yeah, what do I know? We then cut to Hal again, who seems to be shacked up still with Penelope and is being all suspicious. And it's like, cool, nice glass house. I get it. FP suggests to Jughead that they show McCoy the severed head of the fucking statue. Remember from that Simpsons episode that we watched? And Jughead seems a little embarrassed about having sent the goddamn head to Hiram by some sort of, I guess, more discreet than the post office kind of thing. First <laughs> a off, courier like, service, what, what mail carrier is going to carry a stone head that's heavy as hell? Uh, for a reasonable amount of money, and obviously you can't do a return address, so I don't even know. Maybe he sent a capo to bring the head <laughs> to Iron Lodge. I don't know. But we then move to Veronica suggesting that the lodges and the Southside folks can kind of talk it out, and the reason that she believes that she is qualified to mediate these peace talks is her model UN experience. And... <laughs> I do believe that we are moving into a phase of Veronica being both stupider and more inconsistent than normal. Like, yeah. she's usually she's usually pretty smart, but she does some really dumb shit There's, in these episodes. Yeah. But there was some value here because Hiram got to say this isn't high school, and she basically gets a call about on saying, says the guy who just vandalized a park statue, <laughs> which was good. Good. Yeah. Wonderful. A lot of what Ronnie does here throughout the next chunk of stuff is really interesting to me because yeah agreed but i'm also like in the back of my mind is the knowledge that like she knows what her parents are doing right she she's like well informed she's more informed than anyone else yeah and yep. she and archie both have i feel like very inconsistent characterizations yeah. in this batch of episodes we're looking oh, at yeah Neither of them have a consistent stance or reaction to the Lodge's machinations. Yeah. Like, whether they're okay with all the crimes or not seems Very's... to vary almost scene by scene. Yeah. It's it's a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah. It's we'll sort of... get to that a lot in this third episode that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Betty and Alice continue the cover-up work, which seems to take a lot out of Betty. Betty's not handling it well. The next morning, Alice is just hard in the paint with this everything's totally all right oh, and normal act. Gosh, and we're getting to the point of like some traumatic flashbacks from Betty, hence the title of this episode. Yep. And I do want to say, I feel like that was actually relatively well conveyed to the viewer. Mm. Having at different points in my life had literally that sort of thing happen to me. Yeah. It felt very much like, oh, hey, nope, that feels right. Yeah, I agree. I thought that they did a pretty good job with it. It wasn't, 
I was cleaning up a dead body, but, you know, trauma. Yeah. <laughs> Let it be known, listening audience, Quinn has not disposed of, of illegally killed human bodies. I also like how when Betty enters the scene and finds Chick and Alice with these comically large stacks of pancakes, <laughs> just waves it off with, Ugh, what a, I don't like chocolate chip pancakes, and then proceeds to wreck her bowl of Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. Mm-hmm. They are eating like a Dwayne the Rock Johnson cheat meal worth of pancakes. It's a lot. I guess if they don't feel remorse about the dead guy that they just hid, they're at least eating something that's going to make them feel remorse. I also, Alice says, come down and eat. You must be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning up murders is hungry work, right? Oh my gosh, I forgot that. Ugh. Jughead wants to talk to Betty about last night and her evasive behavior, and she realizes kind of all at once what this situation looks like to Jughead, and she's like, oh my god, no, I mean, no, 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 that's so adorable, no, it's fine. <laughs> There are actually some things going on, and she can't necessarily tell him about them, yep. but it was it was pretty funny. It was, really it was cute. very, very yeah. cute. It was very believable. No, no, no. You are not bad at the sex. <laughs> I'm really sorry that that's really super what it looked like from, from your perspective. <laughs> Veronica is adjusting to Archie knowing that her dad is a gangster surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Again, there's just, there's some real like variance in how each of these characters feel about that situation at school veronica pitches these peace talks between the serpents and the lodges jughead says that talks are gonna have to be held at the trailer parks so that hiram has to look at the people that he's displacing and she's like uh okay yeah that has nothing to do with anything but okay i guess jughead reacts to this initial offer by the way with the best most ridiculous pure teen boy nonsense which is veronica are you trying to manage me <laughs> mm -hmm. that's the line good, oh good man <laughs> kevin shows up and he's just delighted to report the brutal details of this gangland slaying that took place with papa poutine and uh, betty throws right the fuck up in the bathroom because <laughs> Kevin was just rapturous <laughs> about the viscera. Like, you know what? I love this. Come to think of it, he was reading a Clive Barker novel a yep. couple episodes ago. Betty, good morning. Hello, other friends. I'd like to tell you about a murder. <laughs> it was gangland style. Um, as for the brains at the scene, there was chunks on chunks on chunks on chunks. <laughs> um, it did take a lot of cleaning up by the police, including my father, it looked as though his soul had left his body, perhaps through his eyes. <laughs> yep. And uh, uh, he, he, there's still the sweet stench of death on him. So, God. how's how's your morning going, folks? Yeah, <laughs> all in Kevin. all, this is this is looking like an exciting <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah, he Kevin is a gore hound in in this adaptation. Apparently, uh, I, think, I think the points of data are forming a line. We get the. This happens from time to time. The Cheryl seeming genuinely concerned for the well-being of one of our main characters where she checks up on Betty. Yeah. And Betty's like, basically, leave me alone. And she's like, you have puke on your collar, which is about right. Mm -hmm. Veronica is upset about the possibility of Hiram being behind the killing of Papa Poutine. Uh, 
And she leads and this off, by the way, with another just absolute banger of a line. Take it away, Quinn. Mm-hmm. A bullet mm-hmm. to the head? This was clearly a mafioso's doing. <laughs> <laughs> that Yeah, that comes later in this section of notes for me, actually. Again, people in Riverdale have an uncanny ability to divine specific information from the very general information that a man was shot in the head. Like, a man was shot in the head just means more in Riverdale and more specific things than it does in real life. Only a mafioso would resort to that kind of tactic. And like everyone's fine with it, so we have to accept it as true. Like no one no one said, "Wait, what the fuck?" Right. <laughs> so it's just normal, I guess. Archie just goes to bat for Hiram suggesting that Veronica just believe in him, which man, Archie. Archie is taking to the dark stuff real fast. Because he believes like, that Hiram is still a good guy at heart. He's going to be killing for Hiram inside a month. Yeah. Right. And why, Archie? Why? Veronica's like, really? <laughs> but really, though? I've known him my whole life and really? <laughs> I've known him my whole life and I'm only okay with him half the time when the writers need me to be. It's really yeah, fascinating. It was so much yeah, we'll we'll talk about this more, but like Archie starts to worry me oh, in these yeah. episodes again. Oh, yeah. Like he had kind of calmed down for a little bit, but like I'm like, oh god, he's getting real amped up about stuff. <sighs> but Jughead goes to Mayor McCoy with the, hey, look, I know that the lodges are buying all of the land, like all over the fucking place in the South Side, and everything's getting privatized, and what the fuck. And I just want to point out that for a politician. McCoy's poker face ain't great. No, it's she is quite poor. roughly quite one poor. million percent more upset than an innocent person could possibly be uh-huh. about this conversation. Absolutely. So good job throwing Jughead off the scent there, a mayor McCoy. Agent Adams pays Archie, pays him those dollar dollar bills, and wants him to push a little harder about Papa Poutine, which again is insane. Kid, child minor whose parents i am not consulting please take more risks with this mob boss i thank you think it's really really funny though how he broaches this by saying here's three weeks salary so maybe that can motivate you and after he says it's three weeks salary archie's like yeah well maybe with this i can repair my drum set (laughs) (laughs) it's so good though because adams is a stupid prick it was very good. I also like the thing where everything about this, he makes it feel like the sketchiest bribe money, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, so it's like, here's yeah. the sketchiest bribe money. And then and then he's like, but this is totally a legit thing. Like This the, is what we do with informants all the time. <laughs> it's just such a funny interaction. It's By the really... way, young man. This money is actually contingent upon your binding verbal agreement not to look up anything about the FBI on Wikipedia. Yep. It was in that contract <laughs> that I made you sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Adams is too goddamn much, you guys. This whole plot is uh, very good. It's yeah, just so much. <sighs> it's the 
one of the dumbest things that's been in the show so far as of this minute of the runtime of the episode. <laughs> we'll we'll get back to that. Hiram tells Archie that Papa Poutine had a million enemies, he was rich, and a butthole, and that's true. I mean, he definitely did call and have him killed, but the fact that it could have been almost any human being who did the murder is also true. It was really cute, because Hiram's making these excuses, and Archie was literally just there to tell him that Veronica is (laughs) upset about the situation, not to, like, have Hiram justify himself. Uh So good job reading the room, Hiram. (laughs) Archie's basically just saying to Hiram's face, Sir, I require less justification than this. You can stop. Well, Hiram, like a ram, comes charging in. (laughs) (laughs) Betty just pays a casual after-school visit to the dead body uh, (laughs) just in time to hear his cell phone go off. But I guess that's justifiable because this dude has 47 missed calls. Yeah. And the best designed cell phone battery on the planet. Correct. Also, I want to say this particular instance is one of many times throughout this episode. I started one of my notes with Betty, a fool. (laughs) 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 yeah that's that's good yeah i like that because kiddo Um, i just wanted to make sure no one could see it yeah i mean she's going through some stuff i I mean you know she shouldn't go but no i mean she's a freaked out teenager who's never done this before with the way that riverdale handles stuff i'm glad that she doesn't end up like Having sex with or eating the corpse by the end of this plot <laughs> well, line, honestly. It's so interesting that, like, that it's Betty who does this stupid thing, right? That, well, like, yes. Because she's so far not... She she rarely gets the idiot ball. Well, I mean, she got it a lot say, at the beginning of season one, and it yes. was in the, these weird, like, any time that there's something dark or lurid. And lest we forget, she started underage camming a couple episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, but this is a different feeling, this, right? Because like, this is, it like, is. a more straightforward type. This is not a dark, creepy thing. This feels like it harkens back to her hiding the gun in her dresser at the beginning of season one. Yeah. Yeah, she has a weird habit of when there's incriminating stuff, like she just has to touch it and get it out and look at it and stuff instead of just leaving it be. Yeah. It's her sleuth's instincts. <laughs> that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nancy Drew, why? Chick and Alice are goddamn playing Clue. Yep. <laughs> They're playing Clue, you guys. And Betty goes and kind of investigates this phone that she has taken from the dead guy. Which, good thing the cops here just suck, and good thing the guy was such a shady man, because this is a bad, bad, bad idea to take this to your home. And then start transcribing the text messages into your journal. I mean, you may as well at that point. The The point is, the <laughs> there's a record of the phone moving from the location of the stashed corpse into your house, yep. which is not the best look. Hiram denies involvement in Putin's death to Veronica, who clearly doesn't actually believe him. <laughs> Neither does anyone, because, again, Hiram's pretty inconsistent with how Machiavellian and criminal mastermindy he is. Like, sometimes he's great, and then sometimes he's a weird, sad, old testosterone man, yeah. and then sometimes he's just very bad at lying. <laughs> he vacillates from a crime spider to drop everything i've got to wrestle me a teenage boy 
And somewhere in the middle is this, no, I did not have to do with killing <laughs> that guy. The Swiss banks are closing, you see. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Betty confronts Chicken Alice with the phone, from which she has determined that the shady man was actually a shady drug dealer man who Chick apparently bought from. Alice is just all about Team Chick, which, okay. I mean, she's, I don't know. Suddenly she's so invested in things going well with Chick, which could be because of things with Polly, I suppose. Yeah. She really is like, I'm just, whatever, I'll I'll kill you, Betty, if it makes Chick happy. (laughs) It's a lot. I can see it as being reactive to the whole killing a person thing, but... I don't know. It's weird. Betty raises the point, well, we're just going to get caught with this nonsense if he keeps not telling us important details about what's going on, which is a surprisingly well thought out point for a person who just took a cell phone from a murdered corpse and brought it home. Uh, it was a lot. Also, she put uh, Alice puts up the defense, well, it was just a drug dealer. He was probably riffraff, didn't have any friends. And then Betty's like, uh, mom. Drug dealers have families, too. (laughs) (laughs) Betty is not buying the crocodile tears routine from Chick, who smiles creepily at her. Oh, such a evil smile. They start turning up that creep factor hard. They love that evil smile. They lose the ability to turn that dial back to the left, by the way. I... Like, that... We're... We are... (laughs) There is a brick on the creep accelerator at this point. Yep, and... You can tell that it ratchets up every time Chick brings a drink to his lips. <laughs> like every scene where the creepiness intensifies, he's just casually sucking orange juice straight out of the bottle or yep. something like that. Adrian Adams is not terribly impressed with Archie's rendition of what his version of a hard sell on Hiram was. I asked Hiram and he said that he didn't do a murder. <laughs> so that's that, right? And you believed him? Yeah. He does let Adams know about the gambling debts between Papa Poutine and one Mr. Kowalski. Indeed. And did anyone else notice that it was the exact same dollar amount as Fred Andrews' medical bill? $86,000. The exact same dollar amount? Like, the writers of this show only know one number? I didn't. That's great. (laughs) Like, there's no way that that's actually setting something up, that it's actually connected. It's just, the last time we said a number of dollars, it was this, and that one sounded so good. Yeah, that's what it's it got, is. It's got such a ring like, to it. Just stop and listen. $86,000. <laughs> like, I don't, it, it almost, it has to be either unconscious or like an inside joke in the writer's room. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's some kind of, it's there's like some THX kind of meme. Thing. Yeah. Going Yeah, there's a meme going around about $86,000. Yes, you almost could see Archie go, it was $86,000, wink. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that was very strange. Hiram sits down with FP and Jughead, denying, again, involvement in any of this stuff that he is obviously doing, but agrees to settle the back rent on the trailer park in exchange for peace. And FP is good with it. But Hiram also wants Jughead to not write about him in this expose about stuff going on in the South Side. And Jughead basically tells Hiram to fuck himself. 
And, and FB is like, ha ha, my son just burned you. <laughs> yeah, he's so proud of him. <laughs> what? So good. I loved it so much. <laughs> See you in the funny pages. <laughs> they did say that. He sure did. Oh, God, they did. Fantastic. Uh, like, ah. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, FP Jones was just a couple notches from standing up and just screaming in <laughs> awe of this amazing dunk that Jughead oh! Oh! <laughs> he loves his son so much it's, it's oh good. god why is he the best <laughs> that's my son uh. <laughs> anyway Cheryl is very good at archery Her you archery guys. outfit it's so yep. good with uh. the the red glove. With the little, yes, the little red glove. The little red cape. Oh my god! Again, I cannot at this point in my life look at that actress portraying that character and not think like she needs to be a DC villain. Yeah. But Cheryl spies Hal leaving Thistle House. Penelope tells her that Hal is not a client; that there's something real there, and. Like, she brings up, oh, well, but you're going to tear apart their family or something like Betty that. Betty was and literally sick to her stomach yesterday at school. What if it was over Maybe this? it's about this. And <laughs> Penelope calls Alice a gorgon, <laughs> she which is really great. that gorgon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is, it's pretty good. It's clear how these women feel about each other. And spoiler alert, when we finally get them to confront each other a bit, it's glorious. Also, I do believe that it's in this scene that Cheryl levies the accusation that Penelope is destroying this family with her courtesan ways. Yes, yes, that was this. Oh, boy. So I, well, okay, I have a whole big thing to go into about Penelope's sex work and her relationship with her daughter, but there is a more opportune point to discuss it in a later episode. This continues to be a dropped ball. Suffice it to say. Well, I think that there is a point at which it starts to make more sense and yes. there gets more texture to it, there... but not yet. Like, we're still just sort of having it be this thing. Yes. Yeah, it still feels very why, aside from sick lines, because, man. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just, it's yeah, right now it feels like it's being trotted out as a way for these two characters to be mean to each other. Right. And it's it seems to be hitting the same beats over and over again for the moment. But uh, I do feel that it changes. I feel it improves. Mm-hmm. Veronica walks in on McCoy just storming out on her parents, just super mad. And apparently McCoy refused to accelerate the timetable on land purchases in light of Jughead's upcoming scandal that he's going to release against the Lodges until after she's reelected. And so the Lodges are like, well, we got to scandal her ass out of office. So I also think... It's really funny that the first line you hear in that exchange with McCoy right before she leaves is that Jones boy is about to make me crack. Like she's like, I'm getting too much pressure from this teen boy. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) This is yet another instance. And there are some glorious ones later of the show treating Jughead's hard nosed journalistic chops as something with so much more power than it that it would possibly have in real life. Uh please don't let the teen boy ask me the hard questions. But yeah, they're like, well, we're gonna have to destroy her. Archie comes home to Agent Adams sitting down with Fred, little creepy, 
good escalation of this nonsensical plot. Betty is not having really any luck calling back contacts on the drug dealer phone. Like, they hear her voice and are instantly like, nope! (laughs) And there is probably the most dramatic camera work dedicated to a sip of coffee that I've seen (laughs) in my life Mm -hmm. in this particular scene. She ends up talking to someone who is probably the dealer's girlfriend or wife or something who is uh, not happy with him. She then calls Jughead... Because she just can't handle this. Like, she needs to tell someone what is happening. Yeah, and I believe that. I just, her tactic for trying to figure out who Shady Man was, was just a lot. Just picking up the phone and calling every number. Oh, hi, I found this in a parking lot. Who is this? (laughs) And then immediately answering the phone. I found this in a parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, gotta spill those beans. They go back to the Cooper place, they process it a little bit, and parking enforcement shows up, and Jughead's like, uh, that's my car! That obvious beat-up car that's apparently been here for days, and somehow, over the whole course of hiding the body, no one noticed or thought to look for. And she's like, well, I'm gonna go around the block, and if it's still here in five minutes, I'm ticketing you. And (laughs) we get the amazing line, how fast can you hotwire a car? Yeah. Which is like Riverdale AF. The answer, by the way, is really fucking fast. Yes, quite quickly and directly into a lake or the Sweet Rotter River. Yep. Agent Adams turns out to have threatened Fred with some stuff about undocumented work from Canada, which actually is real because the U.S. dollar is stronger than the Canadian dollar. Like, it's a little weird, especially in today's cultural climate with all the alarmism on the other border, but it's a thing. Yep. And... I think it's concerns like this and little things like this that are pushing my geographical understanding of Riverdale much more eastward. Yeah, I figured this whole time I figured that it was like Maine. Yeah, that sounds about right. But again, the further it is from New York, the more fucking bonkers some of this crap before was. Sure. But like Maine's really not far from New York. Right. Yeah, I, I guess I guess not. So Adams is basically like, hey, maybe if you bug Hiram's office, bug the mobster's office, child, and maybe I'll leave your dad alone. And Again, then, this is just amazing. And the way he hands the bug and he's like, you put this in Hiram's office and then I wait until he says something incriminating. And it's like, until he slips up. And based on our knowledge as viewers... That's going to take 60 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Roughly. Yeah, it really, I mean, really, you could just walk, you could really just walk into his office with your phone on. You don't even need to bug him. I love Archie during these scenes, too, because at this point, he's just being like almost openly defiant. (laughs) Yes. I fucking hate you, Agent Adams. (laughs) (laughs) You're a real piece of crap. You know that? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's great. He's like petulant with the with the scary FBI it's man. It's really, I love it. really cute. And was this scene when he was playing with Vegas, or was that earlier? I don't recall. But we do get some good some dog some action dog shots. Yep. Cheryl straight supervillain ambushes Hal, like sitting in the darkened room. Hello, Hal. <laughs> it's like... my understanding that you and Penelope have come to an arrangement in your relationship and basically she's like stay away from my mom you gross me out sir good day (laughs) you all 
lumpy potato boy. Yep, it was it was great. Veronica warns Mayor McCoy that the lodges know about her affair with that freight train of a man, Sheriff Keller. And uh, so she's like, oh, God, how long do I have? So that's fun. Bughead then just Alfred Hitchcock psycho the car into a bog with Jughead almost like preemptively lampshading the fact that this is just a lift from Psycho, this whole shot and all this whole sequence. And they do, to their credit, a really excellent, oh, fuck, is it actually going to sink or is it just going to sit there thing for a little bit? I was actually tense for a moment. Mm -hmm. So good job, Riverdale, on that. McCoy cuts a commercial saying she's stepping down to spend time with her family. Oh, hold on. Someone's at my door. Oh, buddy. Oh, dogs are precious. I can't handle it. I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. Yeah, there's a house that I run by when I'm running in the mornings, and they have three dogs who sit out. And I feel like I'm helping them fulfill their life's purpose every time I run by because they're like, oh, a person, a person. Hey, you. Hey, you. Not, not here. Not you. Not. Don't you come here. No one will ever sneakily enter my home. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, he's got it on lock. His passive perception is just like 25. Mm -hmm. And his reaction is to make absolutely sure that I know that something is different. And there's a person or an animal. Oh, God. He says, I'm the best at what I do. And what I do isn't very quiet. You did a great job. Yes, good job, Weeaboo. Oh, I get kisses? <laughs> You're too much. But yes, he, he takes his guard dog responsibilities very seriously. What do you think, Weeaboo? Do you want to do a podcast? Got opinions. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about all the ducks that you scare away? <laughs> Agent Adams should be scared about if he wakes me up, I tell you what. That's true. <laughs> uh. Anyway, God... Mayor McCoy cuts a commercial saying she's stepping down as mayor to spend time with her family, which is what disgraced politicians say. And Josie is just in the background like furniture. Yep. Yeah. And Veronica says to her parents, now you don't have to make your play because that would be cruel. Yeah. And they're so pouty about it. Again, like sometimes we get weird, dumb Veronica, but this was good Veronica. Mm -hmm. Like it vacillates very quickly. And they're like, is this your doing, child? And she's like, no, it was not me <laughs> who told her about that. And like, it's it's great because it's a very perfect parallel, like of these people lying to each other and totally not believing one another at all. Uh, fair. I'll tell you what's fair. That weather today, huh? <laughs> Sunny and yep. 65. It's fascinating how bad they all are at it. For presumably hardened criminals... They they need to, like, go to a workshop or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hal comes home and only Chick's there, and it goes like you think. Yeah. <laughs> Are you tooting in uh, my house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 not a, he's not fond of the boy. Cheryl ends up telling Betty about Hal and Penelope, I guess because things aren't great in that family either. And what is Cheryl if not capable of wielding gossip as a weapon? 
Oh, I was going to say a one-woman engine of misery, but that works too. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that's correct. Hal is getting really, really shouty and abusive at Chick, and Betty comes home and drops the Penelope bomb and throws Hal out of the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just smashes him. It, it was very good. Yep. It's also rather smart of her that she's like, no, I'm not doing this for Chick. I'm doing it for Mom and maybe to dunk on Dad. Yeah. Yeah. I've been living with Hal's bullshit for so long, Chick. Don't think this is about you. Yeah. It's nice that she's not totally letting him in on her confidences, like, or at least not completely. Archie comes clean to hire him about the FBI situation and asks for help with Fred's Canadian labor trouble. And Hiram assures that Adams is not going to turn up with a bullet in his head. Like, don't worry, kid. I will not murder this man. And at this point, you're like, oh, well. Well. (laughs) Right. uh, The ram's coming. Again, I'm a little worried about how quick Archie is like, well... I feel like feel like Hiram's going to win against the FBI, which is questionable judgment. But like even given that, he's like, I'm pretty sure that might makes right. That's how that works, right? Mm-hmm. He is like in really, really bad conceptualizations of true neutral in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, he... Just sort of picking the side that he feels he needs to pick for the balance. Yeah, like he, he just kind of feels like, well, I figure you're probably going to come out on top in this. So I guess that makes you the good guy, obvious mobster, Hiram Lodge. You would think that Fred taught him better. It's it's bizarre. It, it is bizarre. There's not even any jingle jangle right now. That's it's interesting. There's the um, hmm. There's the whole, like, Hufflepuff versus Slytherin thing, if we're going to take it into, like, really easy <laughs> terms of talking about oh, how, yeah. the, the ways in which people value other people, right? So the way Hufflepuff is supposed to value other people is the all people thing, and then Slytherin is supposed to value my people, right? Yeah, and I that feel like, yeah, is really right? apt and, thinking yeah, I feel like as a Hufflepuff in a relationship with a Slytherin, yeah. that super tracks. Yeah, I feel like Archie's dad's got the Hufflepuff, and he's a good boy, and Archie's not that thing. <laughs> Archie's oh, yeah. a gutter snake. Yeah, yeah. that's and, and he's just got all these people in his life. <laughs> like, he's got Hiram, and then he's got, like, Betty <laughs> that are just teaching him. The snake thing, over there, and over and over. Well, right, and I do appreciate in some of these episodes how you sort of get to see Archie. Some of it feels like ins- inconsistent characterization, but there's mm-hmm. other times where it feels like he's like waffling around being like, okay, wait, hold on. So I value my people, and I know who my people are, but which people are more important than the other? I like He's like trying to stack up yeah, the hierarchy of who we're <laughs> yeah. supposed to answer to. It's, and it's like, that meme of the lady confused by math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's what happened. But it is like his morality is definitely based around protecting his people. And mm-hmm. then yep. then he gets confused by the hierarchy of which people. He's like, yeah, like wait, hold on. H- Hiram or or dad <laughs> or dad or, or Veronica? Yeah. Or what's yeah, happening? He the boy needs like an underlying ethical framework in the worst way. Yeah. But he's a dumb teenage boy. He sucks. He sucks so bad. He does. He really does suck. But Kat, are you ready? Because the rest of this episode is going to really like... Oh, that's right. It it happens. 
fuck? Uh, so <laughs> Betty tells Alice about oh, she yeah. and Jughead getting rid of the car. Yes. And says, look, we fucking missed a car. We're in this over our heads and we need help. And Alice is like, we are not going to the police with this. And Betty's like, I'm not talking about the police. I'm talking about the goddamn ship. Have you considered the Joneses? Have you guys considered the OTP? (laughs) (laughs) FP shows up to save the day. Hard. Guys, it's sailing. It's true. It's doing good. It's it's really FB, yeah. FB does the straight up old school lie pit action out in the woods, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so good. Andre shows up to take Archie on a really really scary late night drive. Yes, yes. <laughs> to see the boss, and things they are quite ominous. Are definitely building to make you believe that this episode is going to end with Andre holding a gun to the back of Archie's head. Yeah. Which like, want to see something that only a mafioso can do? You're like, well, that doesn't make yes. any sense. Archie can't die. That shows right. about Archie. Yeah. But it also, sure looks like they're about to murder Archie. If your reaction to, oh no, the FBI is trying to use this teenage boy as a some sort of rat, is to then go and murder the teenage boy, you're not running your crime business very well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially... Not when this entire town's life's blood seems to revolve around this idiot boy. <laughs> uh, it's true. We cut back to Pops, where FP meets up with Bughead and oh, Alice he looks so to tired. say that it's done. Oh, yeah. I mean, he dug that pit with one shovel and one man. Like, yeah. he didn't have a good night, no, you guys. No. He must be so but- stinky. FP. Yeah, very but, stinky. But, but 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 FP and Alice hold hands, do, you guys. They hold the hands. <laughs> and I must I must humbly submit that the name. I'm so sorry about this. The name of this ship is F Palace. <laughs> F Palace. Yep. I hate it. I just that's the worst. <laughs> That's so ah, bad. but it's done and it can't be undone. Why is it so bad? <laughs> <laughs> look at look at how sad Quinn is. I'm just trying to think of any alternative. And it like, would be phallus. <laughs> no, phallus or Alf. Yeah, no, it doesn't get better. <laughs> I didn't not think this through, Quinn. <laughs> Uh, so the SSF Palace is <laughs> taken to the sea. I don't know if any of the ships in this show have good names. Uh, I mean, no, but this one's a doozy. This is another level, yeah. <laughs> Chick doing his whole creepy thing, cutting Hal out of some family photos. If he had a mustache, he'd twirl it. And Archie gets out of the car at his presumed murder destination, and the boss turns out to be Hermione, which is pretty badass. Yeah, finally. And that was good. You guys, Agent Just... Adams was a plant by Hermione to see how loyal Archie could be under pressure, which miraculously excuses all the bullshit with this terrible plot line. Thank I also God. am choosing to believe she was also testing the limits of how suspicious Archie would get when viewed with just obviously wrong like information and well, to that, which he failed <laughs> oh so but if what she wants is a rube mm-hmm. then she's golden a, she's got it 
right. a guard He's dog. He's incredibly loyal and has no instinct for figuring out when things have gone wrong. Uh, also, yeah, just none at all. They are overlooking, like at the edge of a cliff, a what looks to be like the broiling ocean, <laughs> like something out of a romantic era poem. Yeah, the scene was great. Uh, mm-hmm. She she starts off with like, "Do you know what Hamarsha is?" Which is just like, and then she proceeds to not really talk about it too. Which like Hermione, but, great move. Uh, right, she's like, "Let me tell you about Omerta. That means snitches get stitches." End of story. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. <laughs> By the way, you were going to go in there if you failed the test. Yeah, it was... I can't believe it. Like, Riverdale has never taken care to be realistic about anything ever. And th- this was, like, maybe the worst one in the whole show. And it turns out to be a fucking work. They fucking And I fell for it hook, line, and sinker me. because it has always been nearly this stupid. Yes. So... Like, bizarrely, their own ineptitude served as, like, a Machiavellian smokescreen for the thing that they were doing. Good God. I'm proud of them. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm just so happy that this was something. Yes. I'm I'm proud that it it was something. Mm -hmm. Because I was really, really worried it wasn't going to be. It wasn't going to be, right? Because a hundred other things never were. Right. God, they really <sighs> haven't been. Amazing. Yeah. I'm in awe. It was very surprising. It was legitimately shocking and like a surprising uptick in writing quality. Yes. So let's talk about River Do's, River Don'ts, and Weekly Weirds. Someone else start because I didn't write mine down. All right, I'll start. My River Do this week is they actually paid this thing off. They actually somehow turned this into a worthwhile plot twist (laughs) and revelation and that's pretty strong it's so hard to believe because it feels so predicated on this high level understanding that you know 90 percent of your show is just bullshit (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um. and then using your complete like you have become so inured to the fact that they just throw so much spaghetti at the wall that you never thought that the chef was behind you. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) Mine is, okay, Uh, it's F Palace, and (laughs) it's not just F Palace, but it's like, it is the the scene in which F Palace is happening, right? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, guys, I was worried about this body, and I'm I was like he really came charging in like a knight and and set set everything up correctly and now that body's going to dissolve and I don't yep. have to worry yeah. about it anymore. And he he he's like, hey, I I have experience doing this wrong. Yeah. And I know exactly what to do now. Yeah, like- I did some light reading up in Shankshaw, and let me tell you. Yeah, that's just, it's like, oh yeah, that, that body's gonna dissolve. That's, I know, there's just, there's still a lot of ways things, this thing could go wrong, right? But it's not gonna go wrong in the them finding a friggin' dead body in the mm. the Cooper family rug out in the middle of the woods yeah, anymore. Yeah, right, way. right. Uh, and, which was God very damn, stressful. FP definitely tells Alice at the end of that when he comes back all sweaty and dirty, yeah. We take care of our own. He did. He he said that. Yeah, I like that it brings in her past with the serpents. Yeah. 
as well. Everything about that scene was uh, a nice. I Very can't nice. really compete with those two for Riverdue. Those are definitely the two best things about this episode. I will, as almost like an honorable mention, Riverdue bring up Betty just decapitating her father and mounting his head on the mantelpiece. Mm. Just that she is, like, she's knives out at this point. Like, she's not sentimental about really, honestly, either of her parents, but especially Hal. Like, she is ready to leverage whatever she has to and fight against her parents for her own safety and for what is good yeah Yeah. and and stuff like that and i like that a lot like uh, this is the betty that i like no that was very good that'll be my riverdue i mean it's not even in the same galaxy as those other two but like we've discussed them they're amazing yeah so river don't this was an episode where it felt like looking for a, like a really big like glaring issue. It was a surprisingly solid episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Hal comes back and starts going off on Chick and is like, "Oh, I bet you're in here just prostituting yourself all over the place, huh?" It really Hal's internal hypocrisy around things like sex work is really frustrating. When like he's spending all of his time with Penelope and we haven't seen him raise any objections to her, like it. It was just... I feel you. But I, I think there's like a reason that. for it. Because I think Hal's the black hood. Well, but... I think well, he sure. might be as well. Uh, yes. I think that, yeah, it's... it. This is one of those, like, this happens sometimes. When an episode is solid, sometimes the river don't isn't actually something that makes the story bad. Right. It's I'd rather be reaching... A thing that infuriated me, but maybe it was supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. And that's sort of how I feel about this. I definitely prefer having to sort of reach for this sure. than I do having to reach for a river dew. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's fascinating. Having to, it feels good to have to reach for a river don't. No fucking care. It really does. There's some wind back in my sails on this thing. I really didn't like it when Adams destroyed that drum set. <laughs> that's fair. It was very bad. It really it made so me upset. Bad. It made me really upset. It was just like, Dude, oh, that's that a kid's sense. drum set. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Adams, not cool no. at all. Although it did give rise to like the best Archie it line was, in a dozen it episodes. Was a really good burn. <laughs> Sick burn on that adult teen. <laughs> yeah, good work. Yeah. Good work, Archie. Uh, I think my river don't is like, Betty, stop fondling evidence yeah that's a great one i you should know that that's dumb yeah yeah i almost put that down she was really really bad and part of why i didn't is because tragically at this point i'm not sure if that's out of character or not right right it just it really should be because she's presented as a smart girl who is good at figuring things out and putting things together and thinking things through and but goodness she's just like a moth to a flame when it comes to that like if there's something incriminating that she can like hide and mess around with like she has to she has no power against it yeah all right weekly weirds this was a good (laughs) week because we got to see Cheryl Blossom as the rogue in the world's best Dungeons and Dragons party. Yes. <laughs> that red leather glove for that archery glove with just the the two fingers covered 
her cape, everything about it. The freaking target she was shooting at was like beautiful. I'm sure that that cost so much money. It felt like yeah, it yeah. was. Why did they spend half the episode's budget on that? Well, and it like, feels on to that me scene. like that's saying <laughs> the Blossom family. They commission each and every sheet that they shoot at, like each target. Yep. They have that custom painted. And it's lavish and beautiful, and God damn it, I love it so much. That was mine too. That was just <laughs> like it was so good. It was and it it was very unexpected. Um, it was it was weird, and it was the thing that made this episode Riverdale. You know that it was just like, oh, thank God, it's Riverdale still. <laughs> right, yep. because looks gorgeous and. <laughs> doing archery so well because they're hitting so many like competent story beats like they're pretty methodically working through their stuff in this episode yeah but then you get a scene where they're like well we need to see cheryl see Hal leave the house <laughs> yeah why not archery why wouldn't she be doing <laughs> yeah this? and then that she has to go in and deliver some overworked lines that's just oh yeah fantastic this is yeah, this is definitely the same, like, landed gentry fox hunt Cheryl from season yes. one. Yes. It's very good. A Ren Fair could break out at any moment at Thistle House, and you must be ever vigilant. My Weekly Weird, I'm glad neither of you stole it from me, because this was the one out of all three of these things that I was the most sure about, is the inexplicable ability for every <laughs> citizen of Riverdale to do complex crime scene forensics mentally just by hearing that a person was shot. <laughs> Glock 34. And like this only could a mafioso. Only have been done by a just, mafioso. That was I just I had to like pause it and be like did that really just did that No, there's there isn't a joke coming and they're not going to explain it. That's just a thing that that they expect us to believe. Yeah, just roll with it. And be okay. And like it was not only is this my weekly weird, it's a perfect example of why the work with Agent Adams was so successful. Oh, yeah. Because in the same fucking episode that they do that, they tell us this. Mm hmm. So, wow. Good accidental good job, Riverdale. I, I, I don't for a second believe that they understand how effective their twist was. And I think that that does it for us for another episode look forward yep. to our next installment which let me tell you <laughs> is gay as hell <laughs> it's it's really good it's really something it, it's it's a lot of things mixing that wonderful wonderful good gay shit <laughs> with product placement yep that sounds like riverdale doesn't uh -huh. it uh we will see you then 